Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. like fine gemstones as the moonlight bounded through each resting jaw. The forest's creatures, settling in to rest for the evening, were thus confused and startled as a chorus of fretting rats squealed and chittered and a gnome and dwarf began to panic. Sir Nathaniel, though he had tried to be strong, had collapsed to the leafy ground and fell into nightmares. His friendly rats encircled him, warming him, collecting roots and mushrooms for him to eat, bringing little leaves of water to splash on his snout, anything to make him comfortable and try to awaken their sleeping night. Sadly, Nathaniel slumbered on, tossing and kicking in the fog of foul dreams. Madred lifted Nathaniel's muzzle from the floor and gently tried to awaken the fretfully sleeping boar. Nathaniel, sir, wake up. Do you still have the little spinner? Yes, yes, I put her on a nearby leaf and explained the situation. After I apologized, she promised to wait for us. I don't understand, there's no full moon. We still have a week before the Wemanism is irreversible. But the moon is out, and we can't take any chances. It's too dangerous. Can you wake him? I'm trying. Sir Nathaniel, you're, you're dreaming. Wake up. We, we need to get moving. We need to find the moon pearls before we run out of time. How can we wake him? Oh, I hate that he's stuck in some nightmare. What do you think is happening? Maybe he thinks he's transforming into a man. Like a, a preview of what the Wehmanism will do to him. He must be terrified. Look, only his back legs are moving, like he's trying to walk upright. Wake up, Sir Nathaniel! Wake up! Let me try something. Awake, Sabor, a leader of war. There's too much to be done. Wake, brave knight, flee from dream's fright, so our quest can still be won. How is that supposed to help? It's like singing him a lullaby. What? No, it, it was loud. 
and the AABCCB sustain rhythm scheme can be very jarring. Perhaps for a trained bard, but it didn't work for our Sir Knight. What, what, what are we trying now? A good old bit of dwarven strength. Wake up! <sighs> Nothing. I'm getting worried. Poor boy, trapped in slumber. <gasps> Who are you, spirit? What do you want? We meant no trespass and want no trickery here. I can help your fallen friend. I know the way. A ghost! Madrid, help! Send it off! Quickly! It'll bring bad luck! But Winthrop, what if he can really help? Nathaniel's not waking up. What are you then? Spirit, we have a knight and a warrior, so don't, don't try anything. I am just that. A spirit. <clears throat> uh, spirit, can you help Sir Nathaniel or not? How can we wake him? He is held in a world of nightmares, overcome by the fear of his approaching fate. The boar is strong to have resisted the call of Wermanism for so long, but I can feel its weight. Terror has a sense. The curse is pulling at him with every string of moonlight. But how? How how do we wake him? With something more terrifying than his nightmare. He can hear you. He just can't escape the realm of sleep. Together, we can stir him from sleep with just a little bit of fright. Some scary stories, perfect for a dark night in the woods. Like tonight. No, I don't like the sound of this, Madrid. We need to try. Nathaniel would do it for us. But, 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 but I can't stand scary things. You have been traveling the woods with a knight on a dangerous quest to cure a curse, Winthrop. Why would you choose to be here if you're easily frightened? But, well, see, I don't think adventures need to be scary, and it's a lot less scary when Nathaniel's awake. That may be true, but we must do this for him. Right, yes, yes, okay, fine, yes, of course, okay, yes. Prepare yourself, then. Yes, good. The spirit lifted its arms, the long white rags of its ethereal shroud passing through the brush and branches, and throughout the forest the great wind blew. Leaves filled the air, passing through the spirit with ease. Not even the wind seemed to shake its ethereal cloak. Large white hands came forth from the billowing sleeves and clasped themselves together. But in one last mighty gust of wind, the white shroud blew away, off into the wilds of the woods, and the spirit could be seen. He floated like smoke in the moonlight. His head was bald his face bearded in white, and a pair of spectral spectacles rested across his dark and empty eyes. With a silent snap of his incorporeal fingers, a campfire sprung to life before Madred, Weenie, and the worried, skittering rats. They all fumbled, frightened by the sudden fire, 
But soon they settled in around the warm flames as the spirit beckoned them closer. Madrid and Weenie put Nathaniel near a log and sat to heed the spirit's advice. Nathaniel kicked and snorted in fitful sleep, and they knew they had to help. Weenie shook, worried about the stories to come, while Madrid pondered over her own scary tales. The rats squeaked and shuffled before settling in, comfortable by the base of the flickering flames. Can we make the fire b- uh, bigger, brighter? It's it's too dark for scary stories. No, not brighter. Never more than this. Scary, scary stories. I just, I, I, I just, I just don't see the point of it. To help Nathaniel, you can do it. When it's important, I'm sure you have it in you. But, but why scary things? Being frightened is horrible. Nothing good comes from being scared. Oh, contraire, little bard. Being scared is a frightfully wonderful thing. Cause your dreams really deliver when your nightmares make you shiver. Don't shy away from ghouls and shadows. There's always sunshine after rain. Such stories often carry wisdom. There's always something to be gained. Stay away from the woods and the dark on the shore. Every place, every tale, always more. You should know how we know and how everything's not as it seems. Boogie men in every shadow follow you on raw and tiptoe. Is there anything to do when all of it is true? Trust that night will dawn upon us. Steps break the quiet stillness So take up your tall tales grim and fair Cause this has happened before Don't shy away from ghouls and shadows There's always sunshine after rain Such stories often carry wisdom <laughs> There's always something to be gained Preposterous, is it now? Fairy tales have been around for so long and have taught so many. And real fairy tales are always scary. Think, little one. Why tell scary stories at all? Oh, to get back at your siblings when they borrow things without permission. No, to teach lessons so you don't have to find out for yourself. Stay away from the woods and the dark on the shore. Every place, every tale, always more. Shy away from ghouls and shadows. 
there's always sunshine after rain. <laughs> You're saying these stories help us make better choices? Perhaps. I guess they do. A lot of fairy tales have lessons, morals to teach. So, Dwaria, you seem unafraid. Tell us a tale, and we will try to wake up your porcine knight. Um, okay. Here goes. This one is a tale we tell dwarven children. Long ago, a clan of dwarves, not so unlike mine, decided to leave their undermountain to search for a new delve. They left the safety and warmth of their torch-lit halls and tumbled out into the sunlight. They traveled for days and days through the beautiful stone hills and scratching brush before they encountered the forest. It was dark but not the dark of stone they knew so well, and it was filled with living things crawling and chirping all around them. Finally, after months in the ever-changing cycle of day and night, the dwarven clan found a new mountain, but it was already claimed by a clan of sly gnolls. The gnolls showed off their mountain, flaunting its many peaks and natural springs while the dwarves grew envious. They decided to purchase the mountain from the gnolls and counted up their glimmering jewels for a down payment on the mortgage. The gnolls rejoiced and reveled, hosting a party to celebrate the sale. That night, so happy to have their new home, the dwarven leader signed the contract, quill in one hand, pastry in the other. The next morning, when the dwarven clan leader awoke... The other dwarves began their plans for excavation. But it was too late, and he discovered, much to his horror, the steep 18.7% interest rate on the mountain's mortgage. Oh, and that's it. Oh, wonderful. Madrid, that's not scary at all. What? It's terrifying. No, well... Maybe for dwarves. Well, I thought it was. We even have a saying for it. Building mountains under null bills. Meaning to be stuck in a terrifying financial situation. Ugh, please pass me a marsh mushroom and a stick. Thanks. We will try again. You, little bard, tell us a frightening tale. Stir Nathaniel from his sleeping nightmare. Well, I, I don't collect scary stories. Not intentionally, but there is one story I heard from a rabbit in Boar's End a few years ago that always shakes me to my core. It's a section of a larger tale, so listen close. <clears throat> Fleet-footed, in woodland light and fair, from net too quick and deftly tied, ran quick but hopeless the fearful hare caught up, snared, and so cried. The cook stocked rough hone cages, hare, boar, calf, kid, and doe, and there dark lay in wait for ages, dreaming of those lost so short ago. Poor hare, 
shaking, awaiting cook's cleave, the call of supper bells ringing its plight. Great loss, help lost, resigned to grieve, bow before a boar's heart and might. That's not a scary story, that's poetry. Yeah, it's Nathaniel's story. It won't wake him up, Winthrop, he knows the ending. The dreaded cook fell, and Sir Nathaniel freed the creatures of Borsan from his tyranny. Happy endings aren't going to wake Nathaniel up. Well, I tried, okay? Scary stories aren't my bardic strength. Uh, it appears I will need to take over. Oh, no. It's for Sir Nathaniel. In a town not far from the distant edge of this woods, a young boy played with his sister. She warned him not to run too close to the field where nothing more than grass would grow, but he did not heed her warning. One day, he ran into that field, and the ground collapsed beneath him. The boy fell into a cave, though it was not very deep. The adults from the village rushed over and pulled the boy out of the hole, happy to see he was unharmed. But as one woman spied the depths of the cave, she saw a glimmer, a vein of silver. Scary? How lucky! For a child to find a silver vein already exposed, dwarven children dream of such things. <sighs> the town spent days preparing the caves. Men brought in picks and prepared to lay tracks for the carts. The silver vein was a boon the village needed during those hard times. But one day, while the mining was already well underway, one man's job was to survey the extent of the deep, delving caves. He took his torch and ventured deeper, spying a fellow miner within the cave's lower reaches. Come and see what I have found, the miner said to the descending surveyor. The surveyor's torch flickered, and he was perplexed as he did not recognize the miner from their small village. All in town were his friends or acquaintances, yet he could not recognize the man in the cave below him. I will leave you this torch, but I must return to the surface, the surveyor said. Help me up first. This cave wall is too steep for me to climb alone. Give me your hand, the man asked from the shadows below. The surveyor hesitated, reaching his hand forward slowly. But something about the man in the dark sent a shiver down his spine, and he jerked his hand back. I will go and get a rope for you. Stay here. And the surveyor left the man and his torch. He rushed to the surface where the director waited, confused. I found a man stuck down a drop in the bottom of the cave, the surveyor said, winded and happy to stand in the sun again. The director was confused. She looked at her chart, then back at the surveyor with squinted eyes. Who? Was it Rolf or Waro? Very few men have gone down into the mines today on my watch, and I have written here that they have all come out. Uh... Oh, I see. The frightful thing is the mine director's poor note-keeping. 
Logs are important safety tools. What? No. No, it's the... Just listen. The surveyor thought on the man in the dark, but he could not think of who it could have been. Not Rolf, not Waro, nor any man he knew. He picked up a length of rope and called over to another miner. Grant, come and help me pull a man up from a hole. He called, and Grant agreed to join him. The director nodded, and down the surveyor and Grant went, back into the depths of the cave to where the stranded man had been. He still stood there in the shadows of the drop. The torch the surveyor had left had burned to embers, but he and Grant had brought another. Grant tossed down the rope as the surveyor leaned over the edge. Grab the rope. Grant and I will pull you up. Yes, said the man. Yes, thank you. But first, I have found something. Come and see. And the man disappeared down the dark cave without a sound. Oh no, don't go after him. Grant and the surveyor looked at each other with worry, but they tied off the rope and descended to the lower cave. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's working! Nathaniel is stirring. Uh, keep, keep telling the story. Do, do, we, do we have to? You can do it, Winthrop. For Sir Nathaniel. Right, yes, 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 for him, for Nathaniel. Yes. They descended lower into the cave as their torch flickered. At every turn and drop, they could just see the dark heels of the man they were meant to follow. But they never heard his footsteps. Down, down they went. Still they saw the glimmer of silver in the walls, and they knew how deep the wealth of this mine went. And they were driven further and further, following the shadow of the man before them. At last, Grant grabbed the arm of the surveyor. We should stop. We are moving too quickly and have not marked our way, Grant said, his feet firmly planted. The surveyor agreed and they began to back away, leaving the shadow of the man ahead of them. But the surveyor was worried for him and called out. The path forward is too dangerous and too dark. We will come again with a team of miners when we have reached these depths. Come back with us. The man in the tunnel did not respond, but he put out a shadowed hand to the men, beckoning them further down the tunnel. No, said Grant, do not go. The surveyor agreed and they turned to leave. Just then, a great gust of wind blew out the torch and... No, 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 no. Ah! Oh! Sir Nathaniel, you're awake! Well, we we couldn't wake you up. So this, uh, spirit had the idea to wake you up with scary stories. It was horrible, but it worked. We're so happy you're awake, sir. Let's finish the tale, shall we? I did. No, I think everything's fine now. We don't need to hear the rest. (laughs) Sounds like a terrible nightmare, sir. I understand how scary the idea of Wormanism can be. 
I'd never want to be a human. They have terrible mining etiquette, it seems. <laughs> do they do they even teach industrial geosciences at human schools? How can we thank you for helping us, spirit? I require assistance with something at my home. Not far from here. Come, help me. Well, we always do try to help those in need. Help me first. I cannot do it alone. Give me your hand. No, 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 no. Away with you. You're it. The horrible thing from the story is you. You won't take my friends into the dark. I won't let you. More wood on the fire. Quick, now. Fools. The thanks I get. I am not the last of the hardships you will face, little ones. Remember the lessons you've learned here tonight. Others with ill intentions are not so easily thwarted. He's gone. It worked. He was a tricky spirit, but no, we'd never just walk off into the dark with him. Whew. I think I need a breather. I'm just glad it worked. Because I was terrified. Thank you, sir. I know we're all tired, but we need to continue on. The little spinner will show us the way. We can't be far from Spinnervin now, not after all this time. Of course. We have a moon pearl to find. If we could survive the spirit and his plot, well, we can walk a little more tonight. That's the spirit! What? Where? Send him away! Send him away! <laughs> no, Ooh. I mean... <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to think. We can do this. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> After collecting their belongings and snuffing out their fire, the team rallied onwards asking the little spinner for directions to the elusive spinnervin. Further into the depths of the woods, the little eight-legged friend led them, though the dark did not seem so scary now. They laughed and walked together. The spirit that had frightened them could not scare them anymore, not when they were filled with hope and jokes and laughter. They walked all night until the rays of the sun began to shimmer in through the shifting branches, and the orange and lavender light of the sunrise filled the woods with birdsong. Fear was far behind them, and ahead of them with every step, as was the heart-filling warmth of adventure. The little spinner jumped and waved, and they followed her in a dash. Nathaniel suddenly slid to a stop as they rounded a massive oak, and before them lay the glistening white strings of the silk stairs to Spinnevin. The Poor Knight, written by K.A. Stats. Produced with additional sound design and accordion by Travis Vengroff. Edited with sound design and mixing by Dane Leonardson. With music by Stephen Malin, Ryan McQuinn, and Travis Vengroff. Starring Sam Yao, Paul Maya, David Devereaux, Juliana Gutierrez, and David Cummings. This is a Fool and Scholar production. Thank you for listening. Here comes the
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.